0: Today might be the spookiest day of the year on the calendar, but there is nothing scary about college basketball starting and games on deck out west. And we are going to talk, all, talk about all of it right now, and it starts right here. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and happy Monday, friends. It is October 31st, 2022, and happy Halloween. Uh, I am Missy Hydrick, National Women's Basketball Correspondent at The Next, and so happy to have you here at Locked On Women's Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. So you can follow me on Twitter at Missy Hydrick, but I also want you to follow us at The Next Hoops, at The Next Hoops, and this podcast at Lockdown Women's Basketball. So the last couple weeks, we've dove into a host of conferences to highlight games and teams all across the country. Last week, I dissected the next top 25 preseason poll, done by yours truly. Today, we are diving into one of the top mid-major leagues in the nation, the West Coast Conference. We're going to talk storylines, teams, coaches, players, and games to watch. And I am so happy to be joined by Matthew Walter, one of the awesome journalists at The Next who covers the WCC and more. His preview of this conference this year just dropped about 10 days ago at The Next. So you've got to go to www.thenexthoops.com and find it. It is fantastic. All right, Matthew, I am going to ask you maybe the toughest question that you're going to answer today. Um, If you have your choice, which way or another, what is your favorite Halloween candy?
1: That's tough. I would have to say it's either... Butterfinger or Reese's would be my two, two choices. I'm a a peanut butter guy. So those are the ways I
0: go. There you go. I'm a sugar candy person. So like if you score me a mini bag of Skittles or I always tell my children to go find those little box of dots and then they become my favorite kid for that day. That's usually how it Mm -hmm. goes. (laughs) All right. Um, Let's talk about the West coast conference. Uh, We're going to talk about where your poll, what you looked at from this league, but if I'm going to talk storyline, I feel like one of the biggest ones, and correct me if I'm wrong, has to be the change and what we're going to see at BYU this year. Um, when you talk about Jeff Judkins retiring 21 years in the head coaching position there in, at BYU, they make a head coaching change knowing that they're headed to a new league a year from now. This is going to be their last in the WCC But they go and hire a a coach with really no collegiate track record out of the high school ranks. Um, This might be sort of the do or die, we don't know what this looks like. But tell me your thoughts of what BYU looks like coming into this year and where this goes for them.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, after having probably one of the most successful seasons in in school history, I I really think they're going to take a big step backwards. I think you look at it, you graduate – Three starters, you lose another starter, and Shaylee Gonzalez, the conference player of the year from a year ago, to the transfer portal, and she joins Texas. Oh, by the way, is the new conference you're joining in the Big 12? Obviously, Texas at some point will move to the SEC. Right. But now you're asking, you know, you're asking Amber Winning, the brand new head coach with no college coaching experience, who has coaching experience at the AAU and high school level, to try to replace the winningest coach in school history, and Jeff Judkins, who, by the way, just took you to your best season. You know, you finished as high as you finished, you were ranked, you got a really high seed in the NCAA tournament. And it's just it's really hard, I feel like, for for her to try to replace what he did. And the fact that you only return one starter. And yes, Lauren Gustin is a really good player. He's a great rebounder, but she's not the kind of player who scores on her own, right? She's the kind of kid who needs other people to make her score, and that's what made her so good with the Shayley Johnson's, Shaley Gonzalez's and the Paisley Johnsons of the world to help make her life a little bit easier. Now can you really focal point your offense around her? I don't know about that. That's going to be tough. I feel like for BYU to do, and all the other kids that are there now to have to step into roles who didn't play a lot of minutes, right? Jeff Judkins was playing a seven, six, seven, eight person rotation, so a lot of these kids who didn't play a lot, you know, under Judkins are not going to be asked to play more and try to fit in. Talking to these, you know, talking to uh, Amber and talking to um, Lauren at media day. They still feel confident. They were picked third by the coaches to finish in that conference, and they felt slighted by being picked third after constantly finished first and second. But it's it's hard to see a team with a brand-new head coach after 20 years of the same person with a lot of scoring gone. They lose so much from that roster from a year ago to try to finish in the top three in what I think is maybe the most wide-open year in the WCC in, in the last five years
0: or so. Well, and and you can play with a chip on your shoulder. I mean, that can give people a lot of confidence. And like you said, if they feel a little bit slighted, that's great. But again, I would equate. I would agree with exactly what you said about Laura Gustin. I really like the fact that she is a beast on the backboard. She's going to go get you second chances. She's going to be. She's going to hold down defensive rebounds. But she may not be able to handle eighteen to twenty points a game consistently. And then you've got to fill that vacancy left by Gonzalez and what that looks like. And, and again, I think a new coach, new era, all of that, it's hard to implement a new system when you do have that holdover and a bunch of kids that really didn't have a lot of experience. I think that makes it really tough. And especially when you start talking about some of the, the top teams in this league that have been kind of biting at their heels for the last couple of years, now they're the ones that wanted to plant BYU at the top of the list.
1: Yeah, and the other thing I look at too, right, is BYU last year was so dominant. They lost one conference game. They were beating teams up in the West Coast Conference night in and night out by large chunks. And I think a lot of teams are going to see this as an opportunity to go, let's go and get the person who kicked our butt, you know, over the last five years, right? This isn't our opportunity. This is an opportunity to go get somebody who constantly has been beating us. And so maybe that's extra hunger for those teams to go, you know, BYU's kind of down. They're about to leave the conference. Let's just see if we can get one last good. Hurrah and beat them. And I just, it's hard for me to imagine this team that's, again, replacing so much with a brand new coach who has limited coaching experience in the college world to try to compete in, in what I think is the best mid-major conference in the country with a limited amount of returning skilled players.
0: All right. So let's go and look at um, who has been picked by the WCC coaches to win this league this year. And that is Gonzaga. You've got Lisa Fortier. She comes back with key returners from um, last year's conference tournament championship team, which was a key piece of that for them. But just tell me a little bit about maybe some of the, the key players and who drives this Gonzaga squad and why they can solidify themselves now, possibly with a WCC championship this season.
1: So they're, they're led by three kids, um, three players who are all conference preseason selections. And it starts in the backcourt with the Trong twins, Kaylee and Kaylin Trong, two guards out of Houston, Texas. Kaylee started the whole year. Kaylin came off the bench for Gonzaga last year. I would expect with the departures Gonzaga's had that they will both jump right into that starting lineup. And they play so well with each other. Scoring guards can set up their teammates, score at all three levels. Really good at just, you know, they have really high basketball IQ and they play really, really well together. They're really dynamic. Kaylee had a great NCAA tournament scored 20 points against Nebraska in the first round, just really, really good players. And then the next star, someone who I think everyone in in Spokane thinks is going to be the next post star for Gonzaga is Yvonne Ejim, who was last year's WCC six player of the year. Now she's probably going to start because they graduate both of their starting front court players. And Ejim is as athletic as can all be just can score from the high post, wants to get downhill to the basket, draws fouls, really, really athletic on defense will block shots can stay in front of her opponents, and those three are their core returners, and they're going to go out there and really give Gonzaga exactly what they gave them last year and probably even more. And then the player that I think to watch for Gonzaga is the addition of Brenna Maxwell, the transfer from Utah. She is a a great shooter. She shot 40% at Utah, averaged 10 points a game, playing mostly off the bench for the Utes, can absolutely fill it up, can score at all three levels, and I think is really going to fit in really well for this Gonzaga team on the perimeter, playing with the strong turns. We'll find her open in transition for threes. And we'll see here last year at Utah, she was really mostly a spot-up shooter, getting to the mid-range. I think we're going to really see her expand her offensive game. And Lisa Fortier told me at Media Day, the one thing about Brenna is she really is trying to get better. She's taking whatever feedback the coaches have given her since she came to Gonzaga, really trying to get better on the defensive end and being a multi-level scorer for them. And that's someone who I think other teams are really going to struggle to guard because she's coming from a power five level. And now she's going to have to, you know, play against slightly you know lower competition at the mid-major level. So I think that's someone who's going to really
0: elevate this Gonzaga team says a lot about her when you think about to have your coach say that for someone who's had a successful career at the P5 level to still be a sponge, to be that kind of coachable person. And if I'm, you know, if I'm Gonzaga say that's exactly the kind of kid that you want in your roster because they can only continue to elevate the talent that you have on your team. All right. So let's talk about the team that's picked right behind them pick second ahead of BYU. And that is this Portland squad, a one that I think might turn some heads for some people just simply because they've got some people coming back, um, including a former WCC outstanding player and Alex Fowler, an old WCC second team selection, Haley Andrews. These are some key returners for a Portland squad that's going to be looking to chase Gonzaga there at the top of the league standings.
1: Yeah, and most people forget, so Portland has a, a head coach in Michael Meek who's only been there about four, this is his fifth season now, came from George Fox at D3 University where former uh, former head coach there is Scott Ruick at Oregon State who's had a really successful career at Oregon State, Michael Meek has come in and turned this Portland program around like that. And yeah. his first season, people forget they won the conference tournament, but it was the year of COVID, so they didn't even get to go to the NCAA tournament. Right. So we don't have to see what they got what they do and what they bring to the table. Mm-hmm. So for them, you're right, it starts with Fowler and Andrews. Fowler is a uh, junior uh, center, six four, really big, super mobile, can score at all three levels. Just they put her in situations really easily around the block. She can hit outside shots, she can hit mid-range shots. Really smart kid. And she and Haley Andrews are both from Australia. They're from the exact same town in Australia. They've been playing with each other and against each other since they were little kids. And so they have this connection that sometimes I just I've watched them play now three or four years. Andrews is the point guard will see Fowler open before she's even open and just yeah. throw her the ball and Fowler knows exactly where to be. Andrews, meanwhile, is an incredibly high IQ point guard. A little bit of a bigger point guard at five foot ten. Really good at scoring the ball. Really good at just knowing where to be on offense, knowing where to help her teammates. Only downside is she's coming off an ACL tear, so she's <laughs> going to miss the first two months of the season. But I expect, having talked to her and Coach Meek at, at Media Day, that she'll be back by conference play, and that they're the they're the two that stir the drink for Portland. Now Portland has some other great players around them. Six, seven center Lucy Cochran, who's a transfer from Oregon from a couple years ago, led the the conference and block shots last year. Uh, Portland's a team, they play a press, they zone it on, on the back end and they really like to mix it up on defense. And just like Scott Ruick, Michael Meek has a playbook that's about this thick and they love, run a ton of different actions. And they're just a yeah. really team that just will find different ways to score the ball. And with Fowler and, and um, Andrew's sort of leading the way for Portland. They're going to be a really dangerous team. And like I said earlier, this is a wide open West Coast Conference. I could see any one of the top three or four teams winning this league. And Portland, with that experience of having won it in Leeks' first year, knows that they can get back there. I think a lot of it depends on can Andrews get healthy and get up to speed, you know, at that point. And then can you beat Gonzaga? Can you prove that what you've done already in that COVID year can be done again?
0: Absolutely. All right. We're going to talk about some of those more te- – the other teams – In the WCC, in just a moment. But first, we have to talk about the fact that betonline.net is your number one source for betting, football, and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, new podcasts, and in depth analysis on every game. And as always, betonline remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information with live betting and up to the minute scores for every sport out there. I say it almost every time, but I live in the state of Kansas. Sports wagering is now legal, so you could get right on your phone and get it going at any moment, anytime. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf, game three of the World Series tonight, Halloween. Get set. Hey, it's the Phillies and the Astros. That's going to be a big one. You know it's going to be a hot topic on Bet Online. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. All right, everybody, I am Missy Heidrich, and thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked on Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Matthew, Walter, let's talk a little bit more as we kind of bounce down in this WCC. We look at the preseason poll. It's pretty heavy on that top side. But a couple other teams that have kind of stood out to me as you look at it, I think they sort of sit in that 4-5 or range in the voting from the coaches poll. Um, San Francisco and St. Mary's. And I I bring up St. Mary's because... It's been interesting to me to listen to a couple other maybe power five coaches as they've talked about their non-conference, thinking about beefing things up a little bit, knowing they've got a schedule tougher and people going to St. Mary's and that being a difficult place to play. So can you just talk a little bit about what you see maybe in the middle of the WCC and then how it continues to elevate the competition year round, both in conference and out of conference?
1: Absolutely. So let's start with San Francisco. As you said, pick fourth. They are led by last year's WCC scoring champion, and if I had a, you know, if they had a vote, I would assume she would have been preseason player of the year. Ioana Krimili, a yeah. redshirt sophomore guard from the nation of Greece, who can absolutely fill it up. Her true sophomore year, she's had some injuries and COVID has affected her eligibility, but her true sophomore year, she made 95 three pointers, which was really her first full season of playing. She is an absolute scorer. She can score at all three levels. Last year, she really improved on scoring in the mid range at the basket. She got more free throw attempts and she is the kind of player that no one in this nation knows about. But by the end of the year, if San Francisco has the kind of year they think they can have, people will know her name. She is an absolute weapon at every level. She's a score first. She has an aggressive mentality. I talked to her and head coach Molly Goodenbauer at Media Day, and they think she's really in for the best season of her career. And someone that Molly Goodenbauer said her game can develop the way that even maybe Kelsey Plum's developer, she was this elite college scorer, but she's become even better now professionally. And San Francisco really has to find a way to put talent around her. She's always been able to score, but they've struggled with putting other people around her to help take some of the load off of her. And I think for them, it'll come down to second team, all-conference performer from last year, Kennedy Dickey, and then, a player who was, you know, I thought could have won last year's conference, sixth player of the year in Jasmine Gales. And they're going to need to add an inside presence. They added Buffalo transfer Lauren Christie, who I think should help them inside. But for, for USF, this, if they want to compete and, and finish in that top two and maybe even win the championship, they're going to have to rebound better, something they've really struggled with the last couple of years. St. Mary's, on the other hand, is led by two stars. It starts in the middle with Ali Bamberger, a transfer from Washington. Six foot three really burst onto the scene in the West coast conference last year after tearing her ACL the year before she was West coast conference newcomer of the year can absolutely fill it up down low, even spaces out and shoots the three a little bit, but a really good level score something that Paul Thomas is when the St. Mary's teams have been the most successful. He's had a dominant inside presence. And then if you look outside, it's Casey Whedon who leads the conference all time three point shooter. She shoots 40 plus percent from three, the last two seasons, Always making close to somewhere between 90 to 100 threes a year. Those two combined to really, really help the St. Mary's Gales make them a lot tougher. And you know, talking about you know team saying playing St. Mary's makes our schedule more difficult. It's because they won the WBI last year. So winning any sort of postseason tournament really helps to build your confidence going into the next year. For St. Mary's, it's going to be replacing senior graduating senior point guard Maddie Holland, who was sort of their do-it-everything point guard. She posted up, she could score at all three levels. She did a lot of stuff for St. Mary's and was their sort of vocal leader for them so how will they replace her both you know from a leadership standpoint and from a basketball standpoint they added a transfer named Claire Steele who was a point guard out in the Patriot League who led the Patriot League in assist to turnover ratio she should help them but again replacing what Holland did in leadership will be probably the key for the Gales but both of those teams in my preseason poll I have been third and fourth I think they're two teams that Really, you know, again, I said this is a wide open league and I think any of those top four teams could win this conference because they all have different things they bring to the table and all have absolutely star players that help make things go for them.
0: One of the other teams I've circled on my list, which I just think makes interesting matchups, is San Diego because they have been such a really good defensive team over the past couple years. That's kind of what they've made their name with, whether that's creating turnovers and not necessarily being able to always capitalize on them, but just being a very tough defensive team. And then that also makes it a difficult matchup when you get in conference. Not only are they going to challenge teams outside in their non con, but when you get into conference play, now of a sudden you've got to be very you've got to be take care of the basketball. I mean you've got to value that possession when you play San Diego. Where do you think they kind of stand kind of Fit into this conversation, um, it is wide open, but at some point in time, somebody may just take the reins of this thing and say, we're going to own the WCC in 22-23.
1: Yeah, Cindy Fisher, who's been at San Diego for is her 19th year, 18th year there, has really, like you said, built this team on defense. They are gritty on that side of the ball. They do not let you score easily. They're going to pressure you for all 97 feet. They force a lot of turnovers, but you're right. They have really struggled on the other side to score the basketball. And this is where I think they're going to struggle again this year because they graduated three top performers from last year in Cindy, uh, in Sydney Hunter, in Steph Gorman, and who the defensive player of the year last year for them at the point guard position, Jordan Edwards. So that's sort of where I think they're going to struggle because they graduated their top three scorers. To their advantage, they get back Maya Pace, their senior point guard who has missed the last two seasons. Last year she was out with an Achilles tear. So getting her back helps. But for San Diego, they will always be a great defensive team, forcing turnovers, and in every game they play because of that. It's can they get enough scoring from other people on this team after graduating such a large percent of their scoring? But you're right, that defense keeps them in a lot of games and allows them to surprise some people because of how gritty and tough they are on that side of the ball. And that's you know the style that they've been playing since Cindy Fisher took over, and they've been incredibly successful doing it. Again, the the lack of scoring has me hesitating a little bit, but if they can. Find a way to put the ball in the basket at a consistent enough pace. They absolutely, with that defensive talent, can challenge anybody in this conference.
0: Okay, so as you've looked at all of these teams and you look at the players and who's involved in them, are there any, uh, I would say, impact transfers that kind of stand out to you? Someone who you think um, really is going to be a difference maker for a squad this year? whether they're coming in as a grad transfer maybe with just one year or someone who's going to bring multiple years of eligibility to a team out there in the WCC?
1: Um, So I think the one team that really was in need of transfers, especially at the grand transfer position, was Pepperdine. Pepperdine was a very young team last year. They graduated or had kids transferred out, and they were lacking experience. And so head coach Kristen Dallin went and got two kids, grad transfers, who had a ton of experience in a kid from Cornell um, by the name of uh, Grace Tabanefo, and then um, she calls her TG. And then okay. the other young lady, Marley Wells from Bucknell, two kids who played seven, 800 plus minutes in their last years at their respective schools, who are going to bring not only basketball, you know, playing experience. Wells helps because she has postseason experience having played at Bucknell, but they're right. just going to bring scoring and leadership stuff that, you know, Pepperdine was missing without you know, having a lot of young kids, a lot of young faces trying to be their leaders this year. So those two definitely will help, you know, in, in Malibu with uh, the waves and coach Dowling there, you know, otherwise a lot of these teams added, you know, transfers, but like I said, it's, it's a league that's so wide open. I think anybody could win and every team will have something different that they bring to the team. Everybody plays slightly differently. And, I think it's just, you know, the transfers that are important play at those high-level schools, and I think those are the kids that are really going to make big impacts. The Brenna Maxwells and the Claire Steeles at St. Mary's and um, the Lauren Christies at San Francisco's. Those are the kids that I think can really elevate those high-level programs to challenge Gonzaga to play at that top level.
0: All right. So when we come back, we've got some key games to set your DVRs for out for the WCC and we are going to talk about Matthew's preseason breakdown of the WCC and the next poll of this league. So stay right with us here in just a moment. All right, everybody, welcome back. It is locked on Women's Basketball. I am Missy Hydrick, and so happy to be here with Matthew Walter. All right, Matthew, a couple weeks ago, I started kind of diving into all the different conferences across the country. P5s, mid-majors, didn't matter because I know we are going to see great games all across the country. There were a few in the WCC that I highlighted, some that I really thought that could be games that um, you know are going to be impacts, ones that people are going to want to circle. And what's interesting is that the WCC regular season conference schedule starts prior to the holidays. They're going to kick it off on the weekend of December 17th, that Saturday. And the very first game out of the gate is going to be BYU at Gonzaga. It feels to me that maybe at the end of December, before we even turn the calendar to 23, we may know a lot about these two teams when they match up in that first league game.
1: Yeah. And I think there will be a lot of um, hunger on the Gonzaga side. They may have won the matchup in the conference tournament to get to that NCAA tournament. But if you remember in the regular season last year, when BYU went to Gonzaga, Gonzaga held a double digit lead at the half and BYU came back to win the game. Then in Provo, Gonzaga went to BYU and just absolutely got demolished. BYU ran them over, something they did to almost every team in conference play at home in the Marriott Center in Provo. So I think Gonzaga will have this one circled as, you know, BYU's, as we said, maybe down on their luck this year, just not to the level they were last year. And I think Gonzaga wants to come out and prove we're still the cream of the crop of the West Coast Conference. We want to win this conference and show that, We are the team to beat. We're going to get another regular season championship. We're the team to beat in that conference tournament to get that spot to go to the NCAA tournament.
0: Well, and then when we flip the calendar to 2023, one of the ones that I also circled again, you got to look at where, just like any conference, we know that you've got to hold home court. You got to steal a couple on the road. And when I talk to mid-major coaches all across the country, they always tell me, your season is broken into really kind of three buckets, right? It's broken into your non-conference where you've got to get yourself some wins. You've got to kind of build that net ranking up a little bit. You can't be afraid to schedule. You can't be afraid to go on the road. Then you've got your regular conference schedule. And then they really focus in on that conference tournament because that's the automatic qualifier. Most mid-majors are not going to get multiple bids. The WCC has been fortunate the last few years because of the caliber of teams in in like Portland and in Gonzaga and in BYU that there's been opportunity for multiple bids. So if I got to hold home court and win a couple and steal some on the road, if I'm Portland, I've got to say Gonzaga comes into my house in mid-January, January, Saturday the 14th. I cannot let them leave with a win. You've got to hold home court.
1: Yeah, and I think those Gonzaga-Portland matchups and the way the West Coast Conference is set up is every team based on location has a travel partner or a partner team. And that when you play that partner team, you only play the one day that Saturday of that week. So Gonzaga and Portland are partners. So those are sometimes, most of the time, considered the rivalry games. So that's the big rivalry game I think I'll be watching all year is when Gonzaga and Portland play, both at home and at Gonzaga and at Portland, who wins those games? If Gonzaga can win both those games, they should have a pretty good path to winning the conference. If Portland can win one game out of the two or even both, that's going to make it a lot more interesting and a lot more difficult for somebody. And I think that's those are the kind of games that we're going to see a lot. You know, Gonzaga traveling on the road this year is going to be where they're going to decide, can we be the number one team that we were picked by the coaches? Or can somebody else sort of make their claim? Because you're right, Gonzaga and BYU have these incredible home court advantages. Zaga sells out every game. They have all these fans. But when they travel on the road, and again in conference play, like you know, Miss, everybody knows everybody's tendencies. Yep. So it's incredibly difficult to get a road win. So if Gonzaga can go on the road to the Portlands, to the San Francisco, to the St. Marys, and build up those wins against the higher-rated teams, that's going to help them. You know, at the end of the prove that yes, we deserve to win this championship. If they go to Portland and Portland wins the game, that is going to just sort of show that this whole league is very wide open. And I think we're going to see a lot of games between that top level decided in the two to six point range in terms of scoring, where it comes down to those last couple possessions in the last few minutes of the fourth quarter.
0: Well, and that's only going to help everybody in the league, right? And we've all, I mean, that has always been the message. Everyone's got to continue to, you got to schedule tough in the non con, and then you want to see the elevation of your league. And you've got to kind of help everybody else out. But good games, competitive games, wins on the road, holding home court, kind of taking care of your business is really going to help everybody. I mean, that's the all boats rise to the top when we start talking about what net ranking means nowadays. And it was new to the universe and people were trying to figure it all out last year. But I think there's much more of a clear path in terms of scheduling. And as you said, even a close game, but a road win that can boost you big time. And if I'm Gonzaga, I'm BYU, I'm Portland, if even I'm San Francisco, St. Mary's, and I'm sitting there kind of looking at the outside, looking in, those are things that can help me down the road. Now, I looked at this WCC coaches poll, the one, their preseason poll, as we said, it was Gonzaga, Portland, BYU, San Francisco, and St. Mary's in the top five. San Diego was in at number six. All right, so talk to us a little bit about your poll, which you put together when you did your de- deep dive preview for the next about the WCC. Do you match what the coaches are thinking, or did you go off you know, a little bit on your own?
1: So I'm very similar with some slight changes. So top two remain the same. I have Gonzaga and Portland. Then, like we talked about at the beginning, I'm still – I'm in wait and see mode. I need to see BYU prove to me that they can do it with this group and with a new head coach. So I don't have them third. I have San Francisco third. With Camille back, she's going to play a very high level. I think they understand what they need to get from a front-court perspective. They finished third in back-to-back seasons, put them right back where they've been the last two years. Then I have St. Mary's 4th coming off that WBI tournament win with Bamberger in the middle, with Whedon on the outside, with Steele trying to replace some of what Holland did, and just some of the growth we saw from some of their players in that postseason run. I think that helps elevate them to be the fourth-best team. Then I have LMU 5th, a surprise team maybe to some people, with second-year head coach Arca Hughes, a former assistant associate head coach. At USC, she added some high-level transfers, a kid from USC by the name of Amaya Oliver. She brings back a lot of returning production, including a senior point guard who was an all-conference preseason performer in Arielle Johnson. They won two games at the the WCC tournament last year. Really surprised some people, so I think she's going to take that next step. They have a lot of returning talent. They'll finish fifth. Then I had BYU finishing sixth again, just needing to prove it to me. Until I see it from them, I'm not ready to believe it followed by Pacific at 7th, who have two great kids who were freshmen last year, now sophomores, expecting them to take a step forward. I have San Diego at 8th, just again needing to see some offense. The defense will be there, but losing so much offensively. Santa Clara at ninth, who also lost a lot offensively. Two kids who were all conference performers from last year who are now gone. And then Pepperdine 10th, with a lot of question marks, with a lot of graduating talent and limited you know, higher upperclassmen
0: experience. Yeah. That LMU, that, like you said, I, I like that uh, dynamic, I think, in this league this year. And I think someone like an Ariel Johnson with a good leadership and experience out front, um, and, and those are the types of teams that if you are not, if you don't bring your A game, if you don't get yourself ready to play, that's an LMU squad who's going to jump on somebody. And so if I'm BYU or I'm Portland or even Gonzaga, if you feel like you have a bad night or we run into some injuries or somebody's not healthy – then all of a sudden now that LMU game kind of changes the dynamic, I think. Um, tell me a little bit about maybe some of the, the players that stand out to you. Uh, we can talk about Haley Andrews, and you talked about Ali Bamberger, Alex Fowler, Laura Gustin, Ariel Johnson, just to name a few. But if there was one person that you had to pick, maybe as your preseason WCC Player of the Year, who gets that nod?
1: I'm going to go back to Joanna Carmeli
0: from San Francisco, someone who, again, three-level scorer,
1: can put it in from the three with ease, deep three-point range, like close to Steph Curry three-point range. She can score in the mid-range. She can score at the basket. And the thing to me, she increased her rebounding, her steals, and her assists from her sophomore campaign to her junior campaign. Only expect her to take a step forward. And again, the big key, can they get other scoring around her? But she scores at such a high level, almost 20 points a game last year. She's averaged almost 19 points a game in her three seasons. And she missed half of her freshman year with a foot injury. How much can she just keep developing and keep growing as a player? She's hungry. She's a competitor. She doesn't like to lose. And I think she really wants to prove the San Francisco team is the best team in this league and take them to the NCAA tournament.
0: All right. So the key message here, everybody, is number one, set your DVRs. And whether even if it is those West Coast time change for you, there are games to be watched all season long. The WCC is wide open. We've got a lot of question marks with a stalwart traditional women's basketball program at BYU. And really, it can be hard to win anywhere on the road in this league. So you better be really good at home. I feel like those are some of our biggest takeaways. What do you think?
1: I would I would completely agree. And I would say there's a lot of star talent in this league, high-level players that, you know, you know, they had three players on the Becky Hammond preseason mid-major watch list for the best mid-major player. There's only 20, 30 names on that. So I have three is selected. And this is, you know, a league that sent two teams to NCAA tournament, seven of the last 10 seasons. So this is probably the most competitive, if not the most competitive mid-major league. You, I looked at it and I said, why don't Pac-12 teams schedule more West Coast Conference teams? They don't want to play the West Coast Conference. They're too good. They're too good. I mean, Gonzaga has Louisville and Stanford on their schedule. They, these West Coast Conference teams want to play high-level teams. They all compete against Pac-12 high-level programs. And again, it's probably the best mid-major league across the country.
0: No, I would agree with you, and I would say that that same message runs true. If you head this direction in the middle of the country, there's not many teams in the Big 12, the Big 10 that want to play Missouri Valley squads. So when you talk about probably, I think, maybe two of the, be- the two best mid-major leagues, it's the Missouri Valley and the WCC, and nobody wants to play them because it's really, really hard to beat them. And I, I, I go by that all day. I completely agree with you. All right, Matthew, where does everybody find you on a daily basis, my friend? So I am on Twitter at Matthew Walter 96 I will have you covered for both the West Coast Conference and
1: the Pac-12, all college season long. It should be really exciting. And like you said, my work is on thenextcoops.com. com. had a great piece, like you said, the West Coast Conference preview, and a piece I just had go up today, one thing every Pac-12 fan base should be excited about for their team this upcoming season.
0: Well, again, there is not enough basketball that we can get our hands on, and it's all starting it is Halloween. It might be scary everywhere else, but let me just tell you: at the next hoops and at Locked On Women's Basketball, it is not. It is calm and collected in college basketball all day. Thank you, Matthew. This has been fantastic. You are the best, and I want to thank everybody for watching and for listening with us here on Locked On Women's Basketball. You can find me, Missy Hydrick, at Missy Hydrick on Twitter. All of my amazing colleagues, also by following us at The Next Hoops on Twitter, and this podcast, at LockedOnWBB. Please join me here on Mondays to talk everything college hoops and come back all this week for more episodes, college basketball news and notes, international basketball highlights and action, and the moves across the WNBA, including head coaches' hirings. We have you covered. There's always going to be something breaking, and you'll find it at the next. Thank you for making Lockdown Women's Basketball your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, everybody, for joining us here on Lockdown Women's Basketball. Happy Halloween. Find all of your favorite candy and come back and find us all week right here.